there was a there was a preacher named Oswald Smith in Toronto, Canada, during the Great Depression. He uh, he had many people come to him for benevolence, people in need, and he took note that not one person that ever came to him and the church in need had been faithful with the tithe. Not one. And then God gave him a great revelation that if they had been, then they would have received the provision that they needed for their life through God's plan. You see, God isn't after your money. He's after your poverty. He's after your lack. He'd have you to exchange that with Him. He needs the seed, though, to multiply back to you. These spiritual truths are provided for our benefit. Isaiah, the 40th chapter, beginning at the 28th verse. Isaiah 40, verse 28 through 31. He asked a question. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. But they that wait upon the Lord. This is a Hebrew word in the original text. It has several meanings. One means to bind together. That's not it. Or to collect. That's not it. Or there's a figurative meaning for the word, which simply means to expect. There it is. It's this figurative word, is the one Isaiah was referring to. He was talking about looking to the Lord with the expectation of good. This is what we call faith. Or Christian hope, the confident expectation of good from God. Which is what we're entitled to and can depend on and rely upon. Because He is faithful and He is good. And He loves us. Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists. And that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. There's some different commentaries that I look to from time to time. Ellicott's commentary says, They that wait upon the Lord 
And again, he says this waiting implies, of course, the expectant attitude of faith. And then Matthew Henry's commentary says this. The people of God here are reproved for their unbelief and distrust of God. Let them remember they took the names Jacob and Israel from one who found God faithful to him in all his straits. And they bore these names as a people in covenant with him. Many foolish frets and foolish fears would vanish before inquiry into the causes. It's bad to have evil thoughts rise in our minds, but worse to turn them into evil words. What they had known and had heard was sufficient to silence all these fears and distrusts. Where God had begun the work of grace, He will perfect it. He will help those who in humble dependence upon Him help themselves. As the day, so shall the strength be. In the strength of divine grace, their souls shall ascend above the world. They shall run the way of God's commandments cheerfully. Let us watch against unbelief, pride, and self-confidence. If we go forth in our own strength, we shall faint and utterly fall and fail. But having our hearts and our hopes in heaven, we shall be carried above all difficulties and be enabled to lay hold of the prize of our high calling in Christ Jesus. I usually just draw on those things. I don't read from them, but that, I like that. He nailed it. We need to expect good from God. It's a choice. And it's, it has to be done on purpose. And you get better at it the more you practice. Because what you do is you begin to recognize the track record of God in your life. And His faithfulness toward you and for you. Our confidence comes through the Word. Through time spent with God in prayer and reflection, focusing on His love, His faithfulness toward us. My question: Do you do you go boldly to the Lord, or do you go like a beggar? <laughs> it's an honest question. <laughs> well. I I have a feeling that a lot of people go to God like a an undeserving and and fearful beggar, afraid of his judgment, maybe for something that we've done, kind of like a whipped dog, you know, backing into the throne room, or never even really approaching, you know. Listen. Most of the things that we avoid God for, I mean, He's already well aware of everything we've ever done or thought. If you really knew of His standard of holiness, you, <laughs> you would never ever be deceived into thinking that you were good enough anyway. And you would have to focus on your need for a Savior and, and Jesus is Him and and His goodness and His perfection. Because see, God tells us to be perfect. 
And what he's really talking about, you think it's your actions and the things that you do and don't do. It's really more about your attitudes and relationships. And if you examine those closely, believe me, you're not going to like what you see. In some areas you may, and I hope you do, but what I'm saying is, is the fact that we don't add up to God's standard on our own. And you need to rely upon the standard of Jesus Christ. That He's paid the price for everything you've ever done. Now, it's important that you go to God and you give Him these things. You talk about these things that are keeping you from Him. Instead of running from Him, run to Him. Talk to Him about these things. Give them to Him and leave them with Him. Don't pick them back up. And then allow the change that He wants to bring about in your life. Because He wants to help you with that. This growth. Hebrews chapter 4, starting in the 12th verse, says, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Why does he make that comment that, it, that the Word of God can even divide soul and spirit? Because it's hard to do. It's hard to do. It's hard to discern the difference in our soulish realm and our spiritual realm on our own. Sometimes people will be in their own thoughts, in their soulish realm, their mind, their will, and emotions, all the while claiming this is God, and it's not. It's their flesh. How do you know the difference in what is truly spiritual and of God and what is just you? The Word. This will help you determine the difference. That's why all these people that go around spiritualizing all the time, and I love them, I know many of them, I tell them, I try to help them, though, quit doing that. Just, oh, I think God wants to do this and that, and I'm like, that does not add up with this, you know? Oh, I don't need that, God talks to me. Listen, the devil does too. And he'll disguise himself as an angel of light. In other words, he's going to try to act like God. And if he can get you to believe him, he'll deceive you. And it'll bring about death in your life. Sharper than a two-edged sword, it can divide the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest, that's Jesus, that is passed unto the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. In other words, he understands what you're going through. He was here. He gets it, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find favor in the time of need. Therefore, when there's a therefore in the Bible, find out what it's there for. Because that's how this this 
Scripture starts out that tells us to come boldly to the throne of grace. In other words, we can run right into the throne room of God Almighty without fear of judgment or punishment where no man could ever go. One priest, once a year, with a rope tied around his leg, went into the Holy of Holies. The rope was in case he had any unknown sin in his life and they would drag him out of there because he would be killed too. Now you can go boldly right into the throne room of heaven. Why? Because you're lovely and beautiful and sinless? No. Because Jesus is. And He has paid the price for you. Therefore, Run boldly to the throne of grace. The, the point here is don't ever run from your help. Run to Him. You're not hiding from Him. He's, he's, he's everywhere. He knows everything. And He loves you anyway. So go let Him help you. You need to have confidence in His love for you. It's way better than self-confidence or pride, which will leave you... You know, pride will, will say, come on, I'm your friend, I'm your friend. Come on with me, let's do this thing, you know. It's all right, I'm with you, I got you back. Lead you all the way out on the edge of that limb and then leave you hanging there. <laughs> That's what pride will do for you. Pride is just living apart from God your way. Way has taken more people to hell than anything else. Their way. I did it my way. Don't ever find yourself singing that song because both of the men that made themselves famous or were famous that I know of that sang it, I have very, very great doubt that you'll see either of them when you get home to heaven. If that makes you mad, it breaks your heart, I'm sorry. There's no evidence. Elvis said that he knew he had a call on his life, but he just never could break away from this one. And, uh, well, never mind. I'm not the judge, but I'm telling you, I'm a fruit inspector. <laughs> John 6.63 says, It's the Spirit that gives life. The flesh profiteth nothing. And Jesus said, The words that I have spoken to you, they are Spirit and they are life. This Word is important. We need to be led by the Spirit of God. You hear a lot of talk about that in the body of Christ. Oh, I'm being led by the Spirit. Oh, you're... You're in the flesh. You need What is the Spirit? Well, I just told you. Jesus said, my words are Spirit and they are alive. This Word is alive and active, like I just told you. And you need to put it inside of you. Then the Holy Spirit will remind you of everything that Jesus has said. But first of all, you got to... To be reminded of something, you have to have first heard it or, or read it. It's good to read this thing out loud, even when you're by yourself. Put it in so that you can draw upon that well. Amen? 
It's a choice. James and let's just look at this. James chapter one in the back of the book. I think it's right after Hebrews. James chapter one. He James was a very frank person. <laughs> he was uh, he was the half brother of Jesus. He had not believed on Jesus while he was alive, and he and his other brothers, including Jude, who also has a one-page book in the Bible here, did things that weren't quite nice to Jesus. But they sure believed after he rose from the dead, and James became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He was martyred for his faith, as was Jude. He says here in James chapter 1, 23rd verse well let me back up I'll just read it from the 21st verse therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls talking about the word of God but be doers of the word and not hearers only Deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, again, it's the word of God, and and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, He will be blessed in his doing. You want a promise from God? There's one right there. Be a doer of the word and not just a hearer. And you will be blessed in all you're doing. You can't get by on someone else's revelation. I used to hear that and it kind of irritated me when I was young in my faith. And I would be, well, if I can't get by on your revelation, what are you telling it to me for? (laughs) That's not what that means. What it means is because we all have, we all have preachers that we like and listen to, ministers that we like and listen to. Hopefully I'm one of yours, but I'm not, uh, I'm not... (laughs) unwise to know that you probably listen to others as well I do I have lots of teachers and uh, I I depend on them and and uh, and I'm very thankful for them and sometimes they'll preach something that is kind of new to me or it'll be like oh it'll quicken in my spirit and I'll say oh that's awesome and I can tell it's God because the anointing is there and it's a tangible thing and it and I, I, I know I'm hearing God. But at first, it may not be revelation to me. A revelation is not just something that's unique to you. A revelation is anything about God or His Word that becomes real to you. In other words, from the, from the time it changes from just words on the page to Truth in your heart, known truth, something that you just, you, you get it. The light bulb has gone on and now it's yours, you see. So the first couple of times I repeat something that I may have heard initially from another minister, I might give him credit. After that, it's mine. Because it is truth and, it's, and I get it and, it's, and, and I know it, you see. 
That's revelation knowledge. That's all. It's not this big mystical thing. And I know there are ministers in certain settings and things that go around and they want you to think of them so highly. But the truth is, my goal is just to get you to the place where you have an amazing relationship with God and His Word. God through His Word, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. You can always come to me and I'll help you to pray and things like that. But when I hear something from God pertaining to you, it should just be confirmation of something you've already been told by God. You can pray for the sick. Jesus didn't say go go pray for the sick. Actually, He said go heal the sick. You should have that sort of confidence. I get so frustrated... Not in an angry way, but when I people tell me all the time, oh, I probably won't be at church, I don't feel good. Man, when I don't feel good, that's where I want to go. Look, this isn't empty. The doctor is in. And he loves you, and he's faithful. <laughs> I know people that what James is talking about here, you know, we might hear a message like this, and I I complain to my wife all the time. I say, you know, I'll preach on Sunday, and then I ask on Wednesday about the message, and nobody can even tell me the subject matter. Nobody can tell me anything about it. Is, am I, I asked Dan this morning. <laughs> I'm such a crybaby. I asked Dan this morning, two and a half years, am I, am I making a dent? Am I even doing any good here? Is the Lord using me? Hello. <laughs> you know. Because, but, but I know that I'm, I can answer my own questions. That's all silliness. You know, because the, the, the work of God is never in vain. And the word of God never returns void. But I know a lot of people that... that, that and this is what James is talking about. He, people make, they go to church. Not only that, but then they turn on all their favorite preachers on TV. Joyce Meyer and, and Andrew and, and, and all these other. But listen, if you walk away from that, I, I, would, I, would, I would back up even further. If you don't go into that, Saying, Lord, I'm, I'm, I know this is a person I'm listening to, but I'm expecting to hear you through them. And I know you have something for me. And go at it like that. And, and apply it to yourself. Take it personally. And then go meditate on those scriptures and on the, the, the message. Until it becomes your own, you see. This is the way that you grow. This is the way that you truly become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And not just religious. And I'm telling you this so that you, you know the difference. Because religion just goes and forgets. Religion just goes and leaves Jesus at the church. Check, check, check. And nothing in here. Nothing in here. It has to be done on purpose, you see. That's my point. You can go as far with God as you want to go. And that's just the truth. I'm just going to probably share one more thing and, and cut it short today. Psalm 92, 12. 
It says the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. And I just want you to remember that Jesus' words are spirit. And it's important to remain in this. Remember Jesus said to some of those who believed in him that he was speaking to. He said, if you abide in me, if you, if you remain in me, and my word, in my teachings, then you're truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He's talking about this truth. You see, when I, when I started Grace and Truth Ministry so many years ago, it was on purpose that I chose that scripture because God has given me a great revelation of His grace. I know what grace is. I'm one of the ones that really get it. I know that it's everything that Jesus died to provide us with on the cross. It's more than the forgiveness of our sins. It's healing for our bodies. It's peace. It's provision for every part of this life as well as the next. But without truth, see, the law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The grace of God by itself will kill you. Because what happens if you don't have the truth to go along with it, you'll start spiritualizing. And you'll, you'll call everything the grace of God. And pretty soon that grace of God, you'll say, is providing for you where He hasn't provided. You'll call everything grace. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And the truth is, not everything is grace. A lot more than people give God credit for, many times. But sometimes the truth isn't so pleasant and it doesn't accept everything. In this culture, we're in big trouble in that sense. The world has begun to call those things which are evil, good. And God's not changed. He's not evolved. He's not changing His mind about these things. And it upsets the liberal apple cart. But listen, Jesus has never stopped loving. He is love. We love everyone. We love them so much that if they're deceived with the lie, it's our responsibility in love to try and lead them back to the truth. There's a lot of the things that people are deceived about that are demonic. And a demon can make someone think they're something they're not. This is the truth, and it's hard to accept. And you can't just go on CNN and announce this because the world's going to reject you. But if it hates you, it hated Jesus first, remember. But we live in troubled times. I was blessed yesterday. My wife and I went to Cat Spring to I performed a wedding for my cousin, who's uh, the staff sergeant in the Air Force. And... Uh, He's getting out in about 18 months, and I told him that's good. You know, I, I kind of wish it was a little sooner. <laughs> we, we're, uh, we're, we're in the hot seat. This world is, is not, uh, not looking good. And, and it's only going to get 
worse. The, the truth is. But our protection is in, in Christ. In our salvation. It's got to get worse here before, before the end will come. And then... But you see, you've already passed from, from death unto life. You see? If you're in Christ. This vehicle you're riding around with it, that you're so concerned about most of the time, it died. <laughs> it died on the cross with Christ. <laughs> Been resurrected. The life that I now live, Paul says, is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The same power that raised Him from the dead dwells in me and gives life to this mortal body. Now I'm Holy Ghost powered. So are you. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree, shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Palm trees, I love palm trees. I wish I was around a bunch of them right now on a beach somewhere. Not right right now, I want to be with you, but later on today. Hey, I could be like Philip and just translate from here to some place nice. Where are we going to go, man of God? Name it. Valley? Huh? Okay. <laughs> Probably hot as a firecracker there right now. <laughs> but it would be nice. But you know, those palm trees, they flourish in, in hot, dry places. It's amazing. And you'll say, well, you know, they're right there on the beach, so they got plenty of water. They don't drink that water. Water, water everywhere, not a drop to drink. You ever heard that? They don't live on salt water. That's what you think. So what do they do? In the middle of a desert, you can find a, an oasis full of palm trees. Where other trees can't survive, the palm thrives. You see, trees receive their nourishment, most trees, from the bark. And there's, there's a couple of layers of bark. So it's not just the, the dry, scaly stuff on that, but there's an inner layer of bark that is alive and it's, it's where they're receiving, receiving up the water and the minerals. The life is coming through that outer flesh, so to speak. But if you, if you what they call ring it, if you, if you cut a ring around that tree deep enough to get through that that inner layer of bark that tree will die that tree will die but the palm tree you can you can cut the bark off and it won't won't hurt it at all you know why because the palm draws water and and minerals its life through the inside deep inside of the trunk not the bark. The root system of the palm tree is unlike any other. It can reach thousands of feet down into the ground to get water. To, get water. to survive. Psalm 92.5 says, O Lord, how great are thy works and thy thoughts are very deep. Just like the palm tree. You see, we draw our strength from a very deep place where non-believers can't reach. Or we should. 
This is the life we're called to. The spiritual realm is where we survive and where we find eternal life and strength and our joy, peace, love, everything that we need, which has already been granted to us for this life and the next. The deeper we go into God and His Word, the more strength and nourishment there is available to us, you see. Strong believers are like palm trees, able to survive all the terrible situations and circumstances of this life. Because we're drawing from a well that's unknown to the rest of the world. As God's children, Christians don't live by their flesh. The outward man, you see. Although many try, not supposed to. We draw strength and our nourishment and life through the Spirit of God. The inner man, because the Holy Spirit is the living presence of God in us. And, and we're able to endure all these things because of Him. Because of His power and His strength and His provision for our lives. We spend so much of our time concerned with the outer bark. This flesh that is our body. But really, the body, this body is going to eventually just turn back to dust and go back to the ground. Just like everything that you see here for a season. <laughs> Our time and energy and resources would be better spent. Not on this natural world, but being invested in the spiritual truths of God. And in spiritual growth for ourselves. Our spirit and our souls are going to live forever. This body is going to pass away. We'll get a new one, an incorruptible one. But the world is focused on these more than anything else. And really, they need to be finding out who they are in the spiritual realm. But you can only find out through this book with the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. If we dig deep into God's Word... We're going to flourish. If you try to live according to this outer man. And what you see. And your emotions. It will produce death in your life. Romans 8.11 says. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Will also give life to your mortal bodies. Through his spirit who dwells in you. Amen. All right, well, I'm going to cut this in half today then, because I think you get it. I think you get it. I think you're holding on to this, and you're going you're gonna to meditate on it and apply it to your lives and, and go to God with this and, and say, give me, give me more about this, Father. Tell me the truth. Have I been, have I been trying to draw my nourishment from the, the flesh, from this world, from this outer man, or, 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 or do I need to... To get closer to you, deeper in your word, and to learn to draw on the truth of your word and and find out what real grace and real truth are, because the world is not going to teach you those things, you see. Father, thank you for loving us so much and for teaching us about your grace and truth. Help us to live the life of faith that you've called us to. Help us to put our hope in you only, Lord God, and to take up our identity in you alone. 
throwing off all of the things that beset us in the sin which which will harm us and produce death in our lives and help us to turn to you, always running to you and not from you, Father. Coming boldly to the throne of grace as your dear children, where we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. Knowing that Jesus has paid, overpaid, for everything we've ever done. And just giving him thanks and giving you thanks that our names are written in the book of life in heaven. And that we, our homes are in heaven and we're ambassadors here. Help us to know how to be a better ambassador and to let our light shine. Help us to give us a passionate desire for not the things of the world, which are at enmity with you, God. But a passionate desire for you, Jesus And your word, help us to put it all into our hearts so that we can draw upon that well. Holy Spirit, help us. Ignite in us the passion for you and your word. Thank you, Lord God, that your favor surrounds us as a shield. And that as we grow and seek you and wait upon you, confidently expecting good from you, Father. You are protecting us and watching over us. You have angels surrounding us, round about us to minister to us and to protect us and guide us. And thank you, Lord, that your word is a light unto our path. We love you, Lord, and we thank you that you've taught us how to love by loving us so perfectly through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.